Say It With Guitars. I'm your host, Pete Cornelius. Each episode, I'll be digging deep and getting to hang with some of Australia's finest guitar pickers, songwriters, producers, collectors, and makers. I look forward to bringing you these fun conversations and I hope you enjoy Say It With Guitars. Uh, g'day, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the last little installment with Mia. Uh, sad news in the podcast today, folks. Uh, we lost a great guitar player. Good friend of mine, Roy Payne, big daddy Roy Payne, bloody amazing guitar player, really quirky and interesting sort of take on old school guitar, played a lot of great country picking stuff, some bottleneck slide, played pedal steel, lap steel, all those cool instruments and um, and also he's a piano accordion or button box accordion fetish, Uh, he used to play great Cajun box and uh, even the fiddle, always had a great vibe. Uh, one of my favourite things though, he, is his guitar playing on uh, Don Walker and the Suave Fucks. Played a baritone guitar on a lot of that material and really made a huge impact on my guitar playing. So yeah, sad to hear about Roy. If you want to listen to his work, check out some Satellite 5, our rockabilly band, Don Walker and the Suave Fucks. <laughs> great band name. And the Jeremy Edwards Dust Radio Band too. Play some great guitar on those records. I had the pleasure of playing with Roy a few times over the years. Um, it wasn't just guitaring, we also, I also got to play bass behind him as well with some great singer-songwriters like Tony Swain and Jimmy Dowling. Um, who else did he come down here with? Uh, Glennie Ray Virus as well, he played a lot with her. So yeah, go and check out some Roy Payne. Miss you, buddy. Before we crack into today's show, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Mr. Billy Tarrant from Tarrant Guitars. Billy's an amazing luthier and he makes some real sweet instruments. I'm lucky enough for him to have built me a double O size acoustic guitar, which I've dragged all around the country and it's sounding better than ever. So yeah, check out tarantguitars.net.au. Tessie's one-stop custom workshop for custom-made guitars, all guitar repairs and services. Let's get into the show. I'd like to welcome to Say It With Guitars podcast, Mr. Billy Tarrant. Billy, how you doing? I'm good, Pete. Yourself? Excellent. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for um, inviting us into your workshop for a very special, I guess this is the birthplace of many, many instruments, many dreams and, and uh, people's inspiration. Yeah, many, he- many headaches, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, many late nights. Uh, many cold mornings. Sorry about the temperature this morning. It's, yeah, it is uh, fresh, but hey, look, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, beanies well, are a standard issue. <laughs> safety, and beard. That's a good-looking beard. It didn't have that last time I saw it. No, that. that's, yeah, that's um, the winter warmer you know, <laughs> for the Tassie winter down here. Bit of insulation around the chin. Correct. That's it. Good move. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've spent a little bit of time in this place, but nowhere near as many hours as yourself. What... Um, how, how many hours do you reckon you spend here a week in the workshop? Um, yeah, well, I'm here full time, so yep. it's, yeah, it's Monday to Friday. Um, opening hours are 10 to 5. I try and get here early, but I don't like to see anyone before 10 a.m. Uh, I can help it. Um, yeah, I used, it used to be a lot more. I used to do probably three nights a week on top of that, um, which is, yeah, work all day, go home, cook dinner, put the kids to bed, come back down and go to sort of, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, with the theory that the more hours you work, 
the more productive you are. Um, but I've sort of maybe I'm getting a bit older, um, where I think that um, yeah, it's not really the case because the more tired you are, the slower you work. Um, yeah. The harder it is to get going the next morning. So yeah. Um, yeah, trying to yeah, I'm probably not as young and youthful <laughs> um, and energetic as I used to be. So yeah, try and do it a bit more sensibly, not try and sort of work myself into the ground. Yeah, it's always it's finding balance. It's yeah, it's Absolutely. like any uh, business that you run or yep. or something that you're passionate about. It's it's work life, home life balance. Yep. I guess. I guess early days you do have to kind of charge a bit harder to, to oh, yeah, create yeah. the name and the and the business ethic and yep. you know get your message across. Yeah, absolutely. Like, once yep. you've created a bit of a, a name for yourself, perhaps or a good business model, you can then start chilling out a bit and yeah, getting the life yeah definitely. Know, home balance a bit bit stronger. Yeah, and I mean look in the in the very early days too. Um, doing this as a job, you know, some weeks isn't paying the bills. Yeah. So it's doing this and then going and doing something else after hours yep. um, on top of that. But um, And I'm probably trying to, you know, thinking you've got something to prove as well. Yeah, um, yeah and trying to make that name for yourself. But I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm in that phase now where um, business pretty much runs itself, I suppose, as far as, yeah, the work comes in and... Yep. Um, Living the dream now, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. So, um, in in regards t- to a bit of, um, I, I guess, time frame, like a typical guitar for you. Like I, I guess because I'm looking around now, there's quite a few guitars that are in different stages. And I guess that's the key, isn't it, to sort of to manage your cash flow a bit. I know you're doing repairs and sort of stuff like that that can be sort of out the door a bit quicker than a full custom build, but. I guess that's the key, isn't it, to have a build in different stages so therefore you can work on th- a few different guitars at, and then get them out and then you can sort of manage your um, cash flow from that a bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, um, I, I don't strictly, I don't only build guitars, I repair um, all sorts as well. So, um, yeah, doing, doing a custom build, although it might sort of take, you know, Full time, it might sort of take three or four weeks to build a guitar. Um, it's never done that quickly around here um, because I do all the repair things as well. So, um, like for example, this week I'll probably spend maybe eight hours on a custom order for someone, maybe 20 hours repairing um, six or seven different guitars, then maybe another 10 hours working on stock guitars. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I'd, it's not really a, a plan that I have to do it that way. That's kind of just the way it works out. And, yeah, the, the repairs are guitar comes in, you know, make a new bone nut or do a fret level on guitar. It's out at the end of the day. You get yep. paid and call in the supermarket on the way home. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, doing a custom build, um, yeah, you mightn't actually see an income for three or four weeks. Yep. So, yeah, I kind of mix it up all up into a big melting pot. Yeah, I suppose. Plus, um, <clears throat> probably gives me a sense of having a bit of freedom too. Yeah. Um, because some days I'm not feeling creative. Yep. So I can just get get on with the repairs. Some days I'm completely inspired and I don't want anything to do with repairs. Um, so I can work on custom orders or yep. 
yeah, our stock builds and things like that. That's great, having the freedom to be able to do that. Um, and also, I'm thinking it'd be great to also have those repairs come in because you're sort of learning from other instruments because... Um, yeah, you absolutely. Know, if a winemaker just drinks their own wine, they can't compare it to <laughs> yeah, absolutely. other, other vintages and other, you know, areas. So yeah. I think as a guitar maker, yep. it'd be good to see you go, oh, these guys have done this. That's a cool idea or that's a crappy idea. I'll never, you know, make sure I never do that on my guitar or... Absolutely, yeah. I think one of the best things um, if you want to make good guitars is to fix everyone else's broken guitars, absolutely. Um, yeah, you see why things failed, uh, especially sort of things that are uh, like looking at structural integrity, um, yep. you know, why this guitar exploded or why this is falling apart, um, you know, why this soundboard's bellied up. Uh, and I, I think too, I, I'm probably a bit of a double, a double whammy, so um, when I build, I'm building with all that knowledge of repairing in the back of my head, um, and also I did some building up in far north Queensland where guitars just fall apart. Um, <laughs> yeah, once it hit the Daintree rainforest, yeah. it's it's all over for most guitars. So that was kind of drummed into me in the early days. Um, you know, what's, what's the point of putting 150 hours into a guitar that's going to fall apart? Yeah. I don't want to spend um, the next 20 years fixing guitars that I built in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, if I can help it. Absolutely, and that would, in the long run, just cost you time and money because, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. a warranty job on your own instrument, I suppose, would be like, yeah, a labour of love. It wouldn't yeah. be, you know, getting paid to do it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, and the Australian climate is very harsh, I mean, especially on acoustic instruments. Yeah. Um, well, I found uh, that out last year, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had another guy, um, I've built three guitars for, I think, um, lives in Cranda, up above Cairns, and... I think before I built him a guitar, he was going out to Ayers Rock and um, doing sort of three-week contracts playing out there. And he came back, I think he had a mini mate and, and he went out and did his three weeks in Ayers Rock and he came back to Port Douglas, opened up the case and the guitar was in about five pieces. Oh. Um, and he's sort of, you know, this, this isn't right, what's, what's wrong? Yeah. Um, and then you show him what the humidity's doing and um, yeah, anyway, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> So um, what would be a good, like say if I was playing shows between Ayers Rock and Cairns and then flying down to Hobart, like should I be investing in like a guitar that maybe lives in each of those places and sort of having someone I could trust to look after it and then just like picking it up? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, that show? It is, would that yeah, be an ideal scenario? It is a tricky one. Um, yeah, because I mean I was reading something last night. Someone... I think they'd been around, they'd around the floods in northern New South Wales and um, Bridge was starting to lift on their acoustic guitar, their maiden, and they sent it back to maiden and maiden said, oh, it's been subjected to extreme humidity, so we're going to dry it out, repair it and send it back. And the guy said, but what happens when it gets back here? It's back in that high humidity. Some things are unavoidable. Yeah. You can't cancel the gig because your humidity gauge says, oh, it's, it's too low, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. It's more just sort of being aware of it. Um, if you're in a dry climate, um, you know, things like damp sponges literally inside the guitar, um, just sort of keeping that moisture. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a balancing act. It's, it's an act I don't really have to deal with because I'm not a touring <laughs> musician. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> 
Come up with your own plan. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just ring me when it goes wrong. <laughs> and speaking of um, playing guitar yourself, give us a little background because I, I know you do have a play. You have a, you've yeah. got a bit, of a bit of a background of playing guitar as well as making. So yeah. let's, let's hear I've a little been, bit Yeah, I've been thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> um, so I, my father was a musician, reasonably serious. So he played mandolin. Um, guitar and pedal steel guitar, and I believe it's it's not a mystery, but I, I, he never really talked about it. But he got to the point where he's playing place like Festival Hall, um, supported Roy Orbison wow. on a tour. I like played the Opera House and stuff like that, um, and then sort of dropped out of Melbourne. Uh, well, met my mum. They moved to Country Victoria to do the sort of sustainable farming thing um, and had kids and when you're a dairy farmer um, milking the cows till seven o'clock at night, going and doing a gig, getting home at four in the morning, going to milk the cows again, um, it just, yeah, he just kind of wound up doing it. Anyway, um, so yeah, I was probably maybe 10, my brother was listening to Guns N' Roses, my older brother, and I decided I wanted to be Slash. So, Dad, I want a guitar. Yeah. And, and he said, no, if you want a, a guitar, you've got to do piano lessons for a year. Okay. Just to get your ear in tune Great. with things. So, did that for a year, hated it, um, but did it. <laughs> um, got my first guitar, but I wasn't a committed guitarist. I just wanted to be Slash. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't even think... Oh, I think I had a few lessons. Um, and... Then once I hit high school, got right into punk music. Yeah. Um, I think because you didn't, or t- to me, you didn't need to know a lot to get, uh, sorry, know a lot to get away with it. Yeah. Three power chords, and you could start a band. And some attitude. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, got right into the sort of, I guess, no effects, um, strung out American sort of punks, punk scene. In saying that. So this was mid-90s and uh, the, I guess the Australian music scene was really cooking. Yeah. So, um, yes, bands were doing all-ages gigs so you could go and watch, you'd go to Pushover Festival, watch Friends of Rome, Living End, Jebediah, Super Jesus. Yeah, um, And, yeah, Spider-Bait and watch Recovery yeah. every weekend. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and all very guitar-y bass bands. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Real drummers, you know, yes. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I grew up on. Yeah, and it was awesome. And, yeah, we had our own sort of punk band. So, and, and back in country Victoria, we actually had a bit of a scene there as well. Mm-hmm. All our mates were in bands. Um, and, yeah, on a Friday night you could go and watch five bands for five bucks yep. um, at an underage gig. So yep. that was cool. Um, I was still a... Terrible guitarist though, but I didn't. I didn't need to be anything more than that. It was part of. It was sort of being part of something. Yeah, being part of a scene. Yep. Um, yeah. Then I think. Uh, then I did a reggae band thing for a while. Um, moved around a bit, and then I got to the age. I think I was about twenty-five. Still was an average guitar player, and I was listening to Andy McKee. And a guy called Eric Mongrain, and he did this um, lap tapping thing on an acoustic guitar on his lap, played it like a piano. Right. It was a YouTube video that went viral. Mm-hmm. 
um, completely blew me away. And and all of a sudden I thought, right, I'm going to be a good guitarist now. I'm actually going to learn how to play. Saved up enough money to buy a decent guitar. Yep. Went down to... An acoustic? Yeah, an acoustic. Went yep. down to Blackburn um, where I think there was Billy Hyde's mm-hmm. Gallons and might have been another one there and played every acoustic guitar between three music shops and completely changed everything I knew about guitar. Um, I literally walked in there thinking a guitar's a guitar yep. and I walked out going, wow, every <laughs> single guitar sounds different. Yeah. Um, and then I look back, I think quite a few years earlier, I went and watched Jackson Brown with my mum and he was on his own and he had a grand piano and he had 14 guitars. And at the time I was thinking, oh, what a wanker. <laughs> like, cool, yeah. You know, it's just showing off how yeah. many guitars he's got. And all of a sudden <laughs> what that made sense to me. I thought, right, every guitar's different. Yeah. Um, so I didn't buy a nice guitar. I... Um, because uh, at the time I was, I was working at a fish farm and um, getting up at five in the morning and not really loving life. And my wife sort of said, well, what do you want to do that's going to make you happy? And I had this stupid idea. Well, I like woodwork and I like guitars. Let's make a guitar instead <laughs> yeah. of buying one. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of buying a good one, let's make an <laughs> average one. So, yeah, use the money to, to buy some timber and some very basic tools. Yep. Um, and this was before uh, things were all over the internet. The internet was there, but it was probably the last place you'd go looking for how to make guitar videos. Now it's completely flooded. Yeah. So... What age or what year roughly was this? So this would have been maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah, so I bought a couple of books. That's, yep. that's how old school it was. I bought real books yep. um, and some plans. And, yeah, it took a month off work and tried to build an acoustic guitar. Built something I thought was incredible. <laughs> and it wasn't bad. I think it was a good effort. And then uh, me and my wife, we packed up. We got sick of the cold weather in Melbourne. We packed up and headed uh, north just to see where we'd end up. And we ended up uh, in Port Douglas... And I met a, a real guitar maker. It's which, a fair bit north of Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> different, different uh, climate, that's for sure. Yeah, and, actually, and, and it was only we went to Port Douglas um, to have a beer and um, another mate of mine, he was uh, driving behind us in his car and we were leaving Port Douglas because we were staying in Cairns at the time. And we just got out of Port Douglas and he rang me and he said, oh, what's that L word you keep talking about? I said, oh, what, Luthia? And he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> L word. Yeah, I, I saw it. It's on a sign. It's written on a sign in the main street of Port Douglas. Hey. I said, no way. So we turned around and he went back and, and there's this sign for a – there's a guitar maker in the main street of Port Douglas. So I um, marched in there and introduced myself mm-hmm. and he ended up being the guy – this is um, Stewie Forbes. He's the guy that ended up – we stayed with him for a couple of years. That's great. Um, yeah, and that's that's when it all, I guess, yeah, went up a, up another level. Yeah. But, yeah, I've never like – playing guitar, I mean, since then, like I've done a lot of gigs but I've only ever learnt enough guitar to get away with doing the gig. Yeah, right. Um, the passion's definitely more in the in the building than the playing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I guess it must also be – it must sort of rub off a little bit from the instruments that you make. I know that every time I play a different guitar, a different thing falls, oh, falls out of the instrument. So yeah. do you find that as well when you Absolutely. pick up or make a different 
yep. thing you sort of yeah. approach the same chords a bit differently or yeah yeah definitely definitely um yeah each each one is completely different to the next i mean even <coughs> 10 guitars on the same day out of the same factory have all got their own little yep. um quirks yeah exactly yep. um yeah, which is cool. It makes it exciting. I agree. How boring would the world be <laughs> if every guitar sounded the same? Which I thought when I was younger, I thought all guitars were the same. That's um, right. I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's imagine if every singer sounded the same. It'd yeah. be so boring. So, um, to, to yeah. Take us back to that time back in Port Douglas or when you first met, what was his name again? Stewie. Sorry? Stewie. Yeah. Was that a bit of a, a aha sort of moment where you went, oh, this is great, this guy... Has some skills. He he has some life knowledge that I can learn from. Potentially some future employment. Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah, or was like that. that what was, was it yeah. There? That was that was an opportunity that not a lot of people get. Um, one thing I when I thought, oh, I'm going to be a guitar maker, and I um, yeah, I was probably googling it um, and talking to people, and everyone said, don't do it. Um, you'll be broke for the rest of your life. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's a really hard slog. Um, but, yeah, when I met Stu and, and he was living proof that you can do it. Yeah. Um, and I, show, I remember I pulled out the guitar that, that I built. I thought, what do you think of this? And he said, oh, it's, it's a good effort. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but instantly pointed out a couple of things um, that I... Could probably do differently, um, and he had a little showroom, or a little music shop above the workshop, mm-hmm. um, and he had three or four of his guitars hanging on the wall. And looked at his and went, "Yeah, wow, that's that's the high end sort of um, handmade thing." So you knew straight away that he was the yeah, real deal oh, absolutely, yeah, and just a great guy. Like we still talk all the time. Um, he's still a mentor. Great, yeah. So he he was offering um, like a one month intensive build your own guitar course. So instantly looked at my wife and said, can we stay in Port Douglas? I've yeah. got to do this. And she's great. She said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is what you've got to do. So, um, yeah, and it was, it, was, it was a risk. It was like four grand and I think I had about four grand left yeah. after travelling for three months up the coast. So yeah. my wife, bless her, she, she went and got a job at the Dally at Coles. Yeah. Um, we got some short-term accommodation and I did the course and finished the course, built a guitar which... Not long after that, I ended up selling for the same price that I paid for the course. Wow. Um, that was my first sale. That was to a fella, um, I think he was from Sydney, working for MTV, um, but he was moving back to England and wanted an Australian made guitar to take back with him. Great. Um, yeah, so the course literally paid for itself straight away. Fantastic. And then I got along with Stu so well, he said, well, if you're not going anywhere, do you want to make another one? So um, made another one. Then he, he sort of he realised pretty quickly, like, yeah, Billy's a bit stubborn, this is, he's <laughs> going to do this. Yeah. Um, so he sort of, he taught me in all the different aspects. We actually moved workshop while I was there, so I got to sort of rebuild a work, you know, make workbenches, yeah, all right. that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, you know, he showed me how to do your own books, to do, you know, to run things as a business. And then he brought me into the repair side of it too. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a couple of years up there. Fantastic. Um, but my wife's a Tassie girl and we finally, uh, yeah, she wanted to come home. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's a challenge. <laughs> um, I didn't know much about Tassie. <clears throat> and um, 
we did redid the east coast and and wound up Tassie, so um, we're still here. Yeah, it's funny Tassie's changed flavour in a lot of people's minds and opinions. Like I remember when I was first touring on the mainland as a 15, 16 year old, like who are these bloody Tasmanian hicks coming over oh, here? Yeah. Like there's some pretty awful stuff said to us. Oh, even when we were in Port Douglas and um, we'd we'd planned. Before we'd left Port Douglas, we'd, for about a year we knew we were going to end up in Tassie. And I'd tell people that, yep. like, oh, what would you want to go to Tassie for? Yeah. Yeah. Two heads and all this yeah, sort of stuff. Like, Six toes. It can't be that bad. Yeah. But when, when I, it's funny, when I moved here and I looked around and I thought, oh, I don't reckon this is going to work for, for guitar making or even doing gigs. So in the whole time Port Douglas too, I was still gigging um, most weekends as well. Yeah. So because, yeah, I was not really making money off the guitars at that point. So it would be um, building guitars from, from 8 in the morning to 4 in the arvo, teaching guitar lessons from 4.30 to 6.30, going and working in a bar till 8.30 and then maybe going and do a gig wow. on top of that. That's um, hectic. Yeah, yeah, doing the hard yards. Um, and then got to Tassie and I thought, no, there's no gigs or anything. <laughs> but once I got under the skin, yeah. there was a whole scene going on. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's not one of those states where everything's sitting on top and everything's like in your face. It's, mm. You kind of got to get in below the cracks a little bit and yeah. meet some people and really get to know the, the landscape and how Absolutely. things work. The, the community here is so supportive and great. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it is like a community too. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I don't think it really matters um, if you're from the northwest or from the south end like everyone just seems to be on the same page everyone's happy yep. to help their brothers out their yep. sisters out and just to help the scene as such yep. so therefore in retrospect it helps them and the whole the whole circle of friendliness and, and yeah. kind kindship sort of goes a long way here i reckon yeah definitely i think too um like yeah i'll be i'll be honest i love building guitars a lot more than repairing them yep. but um repairing them it's it's kind of like um yeah doing a service to to that whole scene like to that community yep. um because i'm not sure where else they go like you know a lot of, a lot of the repairs in here are your working musos or your weekend musos your local bands and stuff like that yeah and it's it's yeah it's a really cool thing and you wouldn't if you just walk through tassie you wouldn't see it you yeah. got you got to stop yeah and have a look and then you see it and there's some unbelievable musos in tassie yeah and I found a lot of people in the industry who have moved here, not just guitar players, but people who are involved in audio perhaps or mm. or in touring sort of spectrum, have moved here for lifestyle purposes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's just so chill and you can always you can always hop on a plane mm-hmm. and go and get your fix or go and do your touring or whatever. Yeah. Which isn't pretty. Which is pretty easy, you know. An airport's always like an hour away from no matter where yeah, yeah, you are. Exactly. Yeah. And parking's pretty bloody cheap. Yep. yep. So, and I, th- yeah, I think lifestyle here is the key. I, I don't want to be like on every episode of this podcast going Tazzy, Tazzy. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a natural thing, isn't it? I suppose you know us as people who live here now, we can sort of express our love for the island. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that inhabit it. Yeah. So I, I think. Look, we came to, or me and my wife moved to Tassie with the whole idea of we'll try it for a year. Right. Um, and we're still here. So this is 13 or 14 years or something now. Yeah. Um, 
And I've got no intentions. Like, yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> but you have bad weather everywhere you go. Like, that's right. You're not immune to it. It's only inappropriate else. clothing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and today's a special day. We, we were going to do this interview yesterday. So I came into the shop and um, there was, it was, it was a hustle and bustle going on. There was a um, routers and jigs and yeah. all sorts of things going on. So we rescheduled for today. But then I had a look on the inside of the soundboard of the guitar Billy made for me and it's two years to this day that that sticker went on. Wow, yeah. So... Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Double O. <laughs> number good. 100. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of a milestone, number 100. You were telling me that you were never going to sell 100. What? Yeah, what? that was that was the plan. You gave in. For the 99 guitars before I built that one was, yeah, once I hit 100 I'll, I'll hang on. But, um, <laughs> yeah, if it was... If it was anyone else, I probably would have hung on to it. But, <laughs> but being Mr Pete Cornelius, oh, uh, yeah, just... Too uh, kind. Uh, someone who I got a lot of respect for and and love the music and I mean I've I've got this really nice bit of Honduran Rosewood at the moment and I've decided I'm keeping that for my one but I think and I got a way up would I get more enjoyment watching someone else play it who can really play it yeah and, um, rather than me pull it out and go and do a covers gig every two weeks or something like that. Um, I've got to sort of weigh it up, but no, I'm happy you got that one, Pete. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a special moment in my um, in my musical sort of I wouldn't say career, but musical journey, I suppose. Because um, yeah, everyone starts at the same place. Everyone has to like scratch together some money and work their way up the rung of mm. quality and um, tonal inspiration. I know that I would have not appreciated this instrument. 20 years ago, mm. as much as I do now. And especially the, oh yeah, the <laughs> we, do, we do have a, a third yeah. member of the podcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you can hear that. <laughs> That's Angus, he's the workshop dog. Yeah, he's, he's um, just motorboating over there. Yeah, sorry about that. That's no, all right, it's all part um, of the ambience. Yeah, sorry. Um, what was I saying? Um, yeah. yeah, very special instrument. Um, and part, part of the inspiration behind it was... My grandfather, when he passed away, he left a lot of his grandchildren a bit of money. And I thought what a great place to put it in a custom-made instrument that I had input with design and, and um, the way it looks, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so thanks, Grandad. Like, I know that every time I pick it up, it's, I sort of feel pretty, pretty special. I wouldn't say blessed, but I sort of do feel lucky to have obtained that instrument with the help of him and with the help of you, Billy. So yeah, yeah, oh, happy days. Pleasure. Yeah, no, that's it's a great, great story. Um, yeah, and it's it's funny. Most, I mean, my guitars aren't cheap. I can't afford to buy one of my guitars at the moment, but. Um, it's it sort of narrows down. People like to get a handmade guitar. You got to really want it and put thought into it because uh, it's not something you can just go and do every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, quite often it, it, there's usually a, a pretty special story behind. Yeah. Each one. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, I, I built one for a guy maybe six or seven years ago, um, and and this fella's dad passed away, and he wanted to sort of build a tribute guitar. For, in honour of his dad, um, using timbers that his dad loved, mm-hmm. and um, and we even put some of his dad's ashes inside the neck, 
Um, wow. So this guy could sit there and play guitar, literally play guitar with his dad um, after he's gone. Great. So, yeah, there's all it, it gets pretty deep. Yeah. Um, which, which is, yeah, which is great. It's, it's, yeah, the more meaningful the better. That'd be a pretty um, satisfying component, I think, wouldn't it? Like yeah. dealing with customers who have a genuine reason for yeah. a particular instrument. Yeah, that's that's the real, I guess, payday yeah. um, for me. Yeah, and like stories like yours. Yeah, that's that's how I. That's payment for the soul, I suppose. Um, you you got to have payment to pay the bills, but that's not you know that's not why I do this. Yeah, if if I wanted. More money, I'd go and do something else. Yeah. Um, there's a bigger reason why I do this and, yeah, it's for stories like that. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely got to um, fill the cup in many ways. Yeah. I think if you can turn up to your employment no matter what you do and enjoy the enjoy it every day, you're winning, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think I was, I was put here to do more than just pay bills. Um, and I mean, yeah, whatever your your craft is or whatever you do, your nine to five, it's it's got to be satisfying for the soul, or or you're going to get to sixty five and go, shit, <laughs> what happened, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm I'm just so I used to back in the early days when I started making guitars, I was so I used to pinch myself every day, and it, it wasn't it wasn't even because I was yeah making guitar, it was because I found something that I loved to do. Um, and I would speak to older people and, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm 60 and I still don't know what I want to do. I haven't figured it out yet. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I'm still in my mid-20s and I, and I figured it out. I unlocked that key. Yeah. Um, to be able to get up every day and, and be excited to go and do what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've yeah, always been grateful yeah. to, to figure it out, I guess, yeah. early in life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's and it's one of those crafts, I guess, where you're continually learning. Yep. And you can continually develop different styles of builds. And like I've been into surfing a bit this year. I've been getting deep on some podcasts with surfing mm. and listening to people who talk about the development of shaping. You know, because I, I guess shaping a surfboard is is similar mm-hmm. to a guitar in a way. Like it's mm-hmm. pretty. Um, more dangerous with the <laughs> the fumes and all the yeah. all the foam going everywhere. Yeah, but it's just people who are passionate about it, passionate about the making and about the end result, mm-hmm. and about what you can achieve with that end result. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would imagine guitars would be like too. It's like you're not refining it for the, the fastest fretboard around. You're, you're mm-hmm. sort of trying to. I guess conjure someone's spirit or energy um, that can relate to the particular instrument, and if there's a good relationship between the two, it's going to be like a dynamite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it's um, you know people have said it to me before. Uh, it's it's probably harder for me to see sometimes because I don't give myself time to step away from something I've just finished and then come back and, and have a look, another look. But when someone picks up a guitar, man, they said I can I can feel the handmade sort of touch or whatever it is yep. you put into it. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think for me too, it's... I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I started another guitar when I shouldn't because I've got five on the go already. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I should bloody finish something before I start something. <laughs> but I, I woke up that day and I thought, no, I'm going to build one of these. Yep. Um, it, it just go- It's that whole... Um, I have a need to create things. 
be similar to a surf, you know, carving a surfboard, having this need to create something. Yeah. Um, out of out of an object. Um, It'd be like writing a song. Exactly. Exactly right. That need or that little mm-hmm. spur of inspiration, therefore, it triggers this absolutely yeah. huge snowball that you just can't control. Yeah. You just got to get it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that comes from the same place for sure. Yeah. And I think that's literally the the day I started making guitars. Is probably the day I stopped trying to write songs. Yeah. Um, I think just anything creative I had in me moved into guitars. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I've written a song since. <laughs> maybe when I get arthritis and can't do guitars anymore, I'll, I'll yep. start writing songs again. Yep. Who knows? Do you? I was just thinking then when, when we were talking. Do you have clients come in sometimes ordering a particular style of guitar, or and and you knowing them on a personal level, or knowing them <clears throat> as a player, like what sort of player they are. Would you guide someone towards something that they might say? So say someone comes in wanting a big dreadnought guitar, mm-hmm. they're four foot tall, <laughs> yeah. um, and they play folk music. Would, yeah. would you go? Oh, let's let's look at this parlour size instrument, or let's yeah, do, yeah. Do it, you have creative, creative input like that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it's um, it's I'm I'm probably like if you go to a um, a custom shop from a factory and you might get to choose what colour and hardware upgrades and that's that's about it. Um, I'm probably the complete opposite end of the scale. So it's um, my first question is probably what's your, what's your dream? What's, what's your dream guitar look like? Yeah. And but it, yeah, it's it's like getting a suit tailor made. So it's it's literally, you know, how big your hands? Everyone's hands are different. Um you know, um, body shape, all that sort of stuff, um, down to what sort of a do you want a sort of vintage vibe looking thing, or do you want the bright pink sparkly? Yeah, all, all those. And most of the time, the customer walks away more confused because they <laughs> never, never dreamed that they have this many options. Yeah, um, and that that's part part of why um, things don't get built quickly around here too, is because every single guitar is is different, and unique. I guess you can't just work backwards either. You need to because mm-hmm. each step of the way will change the outcome. We'll have an outcome, yeah, of absolutely. The final stage, yeah. So, um, if, you know, I'm building one for someone, and they they come in tomorrow and say, "Oh, well, I was I was on YouTube last night, and I saw, you know, this person Uh-oh. had this sort of inlay <laughs> on their fretboard, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Um, I've got a source for that material. Um, I'll ring in three weeks when I can get the stuff here. Yeah. Um, so then that. Sort of goes on hold for three weeks, and I'll I'll go back to repairing. Or um, yeah, and and a lot of things, a lot of the builds aren't everything set in stone either, because it it's literally like a journey for each guitar. So you know, usually with acoustic guitars, I build the body first and then the neck. So things like inlay work doesn't even really um, doesn't need to be locked in until I get to the neck. Yeah. So things can organically change. As well, but yeah, it's 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 a journey. Oh, but yeah, definitely, um, I usually lay out every option under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, probably what I should be doing is saying, "This is what you need." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably be better business-wise. Um, but I like to please people as well. Yeah, keep um, it's, happy yeah, as well. and it's it's not something. Oh well, you know, 
next month I'll come back and you can do that on the next guitar because um, yeah. this, this, a lot of these guitars are a, a one-off. It's a big decision for people. Yeah. Um, quite often it's, it's trying to talk people out of doing everything possible on one guitar. Yes. Um, let's have all the inlays and, uh, yeah, six different colours and, yep. and all the rest of it. Yeah, sometimes less is more. Absolutely. And like yeah. you said, not to do everything on one guitar because I know that yeah. I was probably about 13 or 14, we were travelling around with the family in a caravan and it's like a summer holiday, you know, we sort of did it every few years. We'd pack up and cruise around and we got to Emerald in central Queensland which is where my uncle... My mum's brother and family were living, working in the mines there. So we kind of pulled up stumps there for about, a, I don't know, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Got to meet some of the local music community and went to the few jams and things. And there's this guy there, Trevor. He um, saw me play at one of the jam sessions. He's like, Pete, I want to build you a guitar. Because I was playing this, um, what was it? It was a Kenora Strat, like a plywood Strat. Oh, yeah. Me and Dad had, or Dad and I. Yep. Had hot rodded. We put a lipstick in it. We put a in the neck, and we put like a, a standard, like a strap Fender standard sort of pickup in the middle. And we put a wide range humbucker in the back. Yeah, from an old seventies sort of Tele Deluxe or something. Cool. And painted it the same colour as his Harley Davidson. Hey. You know, he had a bit of leftover paint. <laughs> awesome. Says, oh, boy, I'll I'll paint you this guitar the same as me Harley. I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, cool. Sweet. Yeah. I put my name on the headstock. You know, what a wanky. Have you still got there. it? Yeah, I still got it. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, it sounds great, and <laughs> yeah, every bet. time I pick it up, I just you know flash back to those early days of of guitaring. Yeah. Um, anyway, he saw me play that, and I don't know. He just must have felt that he could contribute to my career or something. Like I think his his goal was for me to play it somewhere, like on Hey Hey It's Saturday, or yeah, okay. go and jam yeah. with. Nathan Cavalieri somewhere or whatever yeah. with that with his guitar. I thought, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. And he wanted to build it for cost. Yeah. Like he didn't want a, any commission. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, basically run up Pro Audio in Canberra. Yeah. Um, we had a good relationship with Nunzio and uh, Lawrence Gambale, the guys who used to run it. Yeah. So, yeah, we ordered what we thought we needed. Um, Dad had a piece of myrtle at home left over from... The kitchen bench. Yeah. <laughs> the big slab of myrtle we got shipped up to to Trevor in Emerald and yep. I roughly drew out, it was a PRS sort of shape because mm-hmm. they were kind of pretty new and glossy looking in yeah. the, as a kid in the mid-90s, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, yeah, cool, yeah, got a PRS-shaped guitar and maybe shrink it down a bit because, you know, as a young, young kid you, mm-hmm. you don't want anything too big and bulky. Which, looking back, was probably a mistake because it's, yeah. you know, you do get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As I did. Yeah. Um, but that was a really cool experience, having, having someone to devote many, many hours to an instrument mm-hmm. for me, for, for my pleasure and for my sort of guitar journey. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've still got the guitar and obviously and, you know, it's, it's the same tree as the, my... The kitchen my bench. folks, yeah, my kitchen yeah, bench awesome. and yep. things like that. Yep. It's so special and, and those memories that are attached to those particular instruments yep. are worth more than the instrument themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you find the same thing when someone comes in with a grand design of something, it, it's probably got more meaning than it has actual 
Oh, absolutely. Playability or... Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and I, I take it pretty seriously too. Yeah. I'll tell you a real quick one. Um, had a guy ring me, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. Said, oh, yeah, I'm in Tassie. I'm, I'm cutting a blackwood tree on my farm. I've got to, I've got to get rid of it. Um, how would you cut it up for instruments? So I explained cortisol and whatnot. That was the end of the conversation. And then... And I never knew who the guy was. And then two years later, I get a call from the same guy. And he said, oh, it's, it's been racked and drying for two years. Um, I'll throw some in the trailer and bring it round and, and get you to have a look at it. I said, yeah, cool. So he turned up an hour later and I had a look at it. And, yeah, cool, nice, nice wood. And he said, oh, I've got a job for you. I said, right, eh? And so his uncle um, was in an accident at Cataract Gorge and ended up in a wheelchair and... Um, yeah, so so the the nephew decided let's get the family to all chip in and we'll because this the guy was a muser too he used to play at the Royal Oak mm-hmm. and places like that so so the family said let's all chip in and get Billy to make a guitar out of the timber off the nephew's farm um, not tell him and and do all those sort of meaningful things and um, yeah and we did this sort of top secret guitar um, so like the Aussie the the fellow the guitar was for he was a bugle player in the um, Anzac Day. Right. Their family had been doing it for 70 years or something. Yeah. So um, inlaid a mother of pearl bugle on the headstock. Um, and, yeah, did all these sort of purposeful, meaningful things. And um, because, yeah, he's, he was in a wheelchair but he could still – his arms worked. He could still yeah. play guitar. Yeah. And actually Rick – you know Rick Eaves? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did a little documentary um, on the whole thing as well. Yeah, and they presented it to, to Aussie um, – up in Launceston, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's that that's one of the biggest things that's sort of happened in my career, I suppose. Like, yeah, if you want to talk about meaningful, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's it gets very personal. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's not just gluing bits of wood together to make guitars. Yep. Um, I get more out of things like that than than you know. Uh, put someone playing on a guitar in Marvel Stadium or, or whatever or seen on the TV, yep. that, that's cool. That's a, that's a good buzz. But, yeah, making an impact on yep. on things like uh, like with Ozzy's guitar, yeah. Unreal. That's the kind of stuff you don't get at the factories, you know. No, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's the only – like it's the small guys who make instruments for a passion um, and you get to – meet the maker and you get to like yeah. really get that story across yeah. and make it special. I think, yeah, it's such a wonderful yeah. thing for the, for you and, and for the customers, that yeah. sort of interaction and yeah. to make it really something. Maybe I should get someone to build me a guitar. There you go. Yeah, there's one guitar um, that I'll – yeah, the, so the, the guy that taught me to build guitars, Stewie, um, yeah, if if there was one guitar out there, or yeah. or um, one to be made for me, that's that's where it would have to come from. Yeah, right. I think let's go to Port Douglas for a, yeah, for a and week get holiday. to go for a holiday too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be up for that. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. So, Billy, if you were to get one guitar made, what what would you go for? Uh, or would you just get an all rounder? Um, I would. Oh, there's a there's a couple of guitars on my want list, but there's one guitar that I have to have um, at some point, and that's 
Um, I think, like I said to you before, I've, I've never had a guitar built for me. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'd like a guitar built by the guy that taught me to build guitars. Um, Pretty special. Definitely, yeah. I would probably throw my hands up and let him make the decision. He knows me well. Yep. Um, I would want his input. Um, yep. It'd be probably something similar to what you've got, Pete, I reckon. Um, a bit smaller body. Um, yeah, more sort of vintage vibe looking thing. There's mm-hmm. there's two other guitars I'd love to have. Um, one's a Mule Resophonic. Yeah. Um, they're really cool and that's something that I can't build. Metalwork isn't my friend. Yeah. Um, I'd love to own one of those and I'd love to own a guitar by, there's a guy called Patch Rubin, uh, White Sky Guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's built for Gary Clark Jr. Um, one of his would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if you look, speaking of those mule resonators, they yeah. have bought out. I noticed a model called a Mavis. The Mavis, yeah, you seen that? Very cool. So that's yep. like a wooden body yep. machine with a cone, right? Yeah, yeah. It's more of an electric guitar, but it's a timber version um, or timber bodied uh, with a cone. Yeah, I, I built a similar thing, um, like an, a res electric, I suppose you want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. Really cool. So you had gone down that road a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Mule, that, that's all they do. Yeah. Is, um, and and you could go and beg them to do something else and they wouldn't do it. And, and I've watched Matt, the guy that started it, I've watched him. That's the, the beauty of social media. Uh, he was literally building in a in a basement when he started and I've sort of followed his journey yep. to now, you know, big warehouse, five guys working for him. Yeah. Client list a mile long. Yeah. Um, like he sells his wait list now, he opens it up on the first of the month for about ten minutes. Yeah. And you gotta get on it or you gotta wait for the next uh, month to come around. And I did notice they've um, branched out and making le- electrics now too, like they got yeah, they do like sort of metal body strats and tally yeah sort of things as well yeah and like, like short yeah. scale baritone Correct. thing they're doing a bit as well yeah yeah which um, interesting yeah very cool just very unique very cool um, yeah so yeah they they their guitars on the want list but they're not on the need list yeah. um, <laughs> on the need list is is getting one made for me by. By Stewie, yeah, yeah. Uh, one day. And sorry, I, I cut you off there. You, yeah. you, were, you were talking about another instrument too. Was there another maker that you wanted to? Um, oh, so there was White Sky. Yeah, uh, yeah, Patch Rubin. Yeah, so he he makes a pretty cool smaller body electric guitar. Um, I think he was building. Just he's just a one man show. I think he was his workshop was like in the Arizona desert or something. It was wow. really uh, really cool. And I think he's just moved to Hawaii um, and set up shop there. Mm-hmm. Um, another another thing that'd be cause cool um, I think they're called water slide guitars, yeah. And they'd basically do like a cuda caster, mm-hmm. right cuda thing. You can get it with palm benders, um, yeah. And they use like gold foil pickups and stuff. Yeah, um, can't beat right cuda sound. Oh man, it's such a inviting sound. It's funny, Rye's name comes up in every chat. <laughs> we have. Yeah, it would do. Yeah, yeah, um, I th- yeah. And that's like <clears throat> like growing up. Uh, before I'd turn into an angry punk rock kid, um, <laughs> like in the house, there was music in the house, um, but it was yeah usually like so. Dad would listen to well, and Mum, um, like Ry Cooter, like Boomer Story was at yeah. my dad's funeral. Um, yep. My dad was called Boomer actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, Jackson heaps of Jackson Brown. Um, yeah, anything with Dave Lindley on it. Yeah. Um, bit of the Eagles, yep. I remember. Um, 
oh, nitty gritty dirt band, that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. I I've got pretty pretty broad taste in music. Um, saving in the workshop, um, it could be we could be listening to some some sort of stoner rock first thing in the morning. Um, then a bit of Deftones, uh, then a bit of Jeff Lang, uh, then a bit of Pete Cornelius. <laughs> it just sort of evolves throughout the day. Then a bit of Sublime or some reggae or yeah. Um, you're selling yourself short if you pick one genre and stick to it. Um, yeah. Um, Chris Whitley, yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, and especially because you're making instruments or repairing instruments for such a broad range of people, you really don't want to narrow down your audience by saying, no, I only work on instruments that are, you know, made for metal. Yeah, or, absolutely. You know, or yeah. I'm only a blues guy, I only work on things that look like they come out of the 50s. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. sort of really need to open your mind and be willing to not only play any sort of music here but sort of support any... Yeah, absolutely. Type of player. Yeah, absolutely. Listen yeah. to their needs because everyone's got different needs and opinions and yep. you know, I'm sure you've got opinions about particular setups and stuff as well but mm-hmm. like you said, the customer has to be happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, like um, I'm, I'm just – I'm so not a Floyd Rose guy but I need to be able to understand it. Yeah. Um, you know, because the next guy that walks in might want a seven-string baritone shredding um, guitar yeah. while I'm building an Irish bazooki. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of got to be a bit uh, – yeah, to be able to um, keep the workload going, yeah, you've got to be yeah. pretty open. And like we said before, it's good to learn different skills and techniques from other instruments and other yeah. genres would inspire that. So therefore you just got a broader knowledge of yep. how instruments work and how yeah. they set up. And Yeah, probably banjo is the only thing I – I'll still fix them, but I probably <laughs> I, I built one banjo. Right, um, it's a dark art. Yeah, and yeah, it's not as simple as it sounds. Building a banjo. Yeah, put a uh, stick on a drum. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just about went bankrupt. This thing took me a long time wow. to get my head around because um, I, I don't play them. Yeah, I rarely repair them. Uh, yeah, it's an it's an awesome banjo. Um, is that here in Tassie? Uh, no, nah, that went no. to the Pilbara. Um, oh, cool. That was for a guy's 50th yeah. birthday. Um, yeah, it was a cool thing. Yeah, so I had all this sort of custom inlay work on it. And, um, but there was seemed to be a lot of um, variables, I suppose. Uh, all right, what's a, what's a good banjo action? Well, are you claw hammering or are you doing this? And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know because it's a, a surprise <laughs> for a guy's 50th. I can't talk to him. Yeah. Um, you know, did your mate play cool? Oh, I don't know. So yeah. um, just a lot of variables. Um, was and it a five-string? Uh, yeah, five-string, yep. yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, well, some people like this one, some people like this way. You make the call. And I'm like, well, yeah. I don't play them. So it was really, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was probably, yeah, half the time spent on it was thinking. Of, it's researching or th- yeah. thinking of ways to yep. make it a pliable, good-sounding instrument. Yeah. Was it a resonator or did you put a... Was it open back? Uh, no, resonate. Did the yep. resonate? Did the whole thing? Um, yeah, even and trying to sort of. There's a lot of modifying my tooling to be able to make things like that. Yep. Um, that's yeah part of the game of um, making so many different styles of instruments. Um, you spend half your life making tools and jigs. Yeah. To be able to make the instrument. Yeah. Yeah, you can spend a week making jigs before you even start 
the guitar. But I guess the beauty of that is once you have a tool, yeah, you know, it's then there you can, yeah, for exactly. Life. But um, yeah. it's just that setup time and yeah, yeah. So have have your instruments gone across Australia? Like you've do you sort of follow the, follow them in a way? Like yeah, keep track and oh uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, like um, a lot of people I've. I've got a lot of good friendships now with people that I built instruments for um, that I didn't know before I started. So, um, yeah, I've got quite a few customers that have a collection. Um, so musician Todd Cook in Victoria, he's got two acoustics, a ukulele, a bazooki. So he's got four and he's about to put in an order for another acoustic. Wow. Um, awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, and then there's another guy, Dave Cook, he's got three or four up in Queensland. So... Um, yeah, I think I've probably got most of Australia. I'd, I'd like to think there's enough out there now that most nights of the week someone's playing something yeah. built on a stage somewhere. Yeah. Um, with, you know, a local pub or, yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, so I, I'm not – my market's more the – like I love working for the working muso. Yeah. Um, not really interested in the superstar sort of um, – Thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd like I like the the person that's out there playing in a shitty pub. Yeah, with the bloody horse racing on the TV in the background. <laughs> like, I can relate to them. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of that myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, there's yeah, there's plenty of them floating around now. I think um, I don't advertise really. I've got social media. I hate it. Yeah. But I have to have it. It's part of, you know, I think a lot of musicians feel the same way. Absolutely. You just kind of got to do it. Yep. Um, yeah. It's the same as all the streaming platforms. Like I know a lot of mm-hmm. musos who don't do it mm-hmm. and I think for, for an original artist, you need to be on those platforms. Yeah. It's like a business card. It is. It's yeah. like a business experience. You treat it as, yeah. okay, here's an experience, my online distribution, I can claim that on tax. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be part of this machine. Otherwise, no one's going to hear my music. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. just kind of, it's yeah, kind absolutely. Of, you know, yeah. Unless you're at a live show, yeah, and you've bought the merch, which I strongly think people should do, absolutely buy the merch, <laughs> yep. But you know, 99 percent of people are going to listen to your music off a tablet, off a phone, off a oh, computer. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like the last physical bit of music I bought was the 2020 Blues. Hey. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only because it had your guitar on the cover, right? Well, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, no, so that, that was probably <laughs> the last thing I bought. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm guilty most of the stuff that I listen to in here. Is, I'm just streaming it off YouTube because um, yeah. it's, it's there in front of me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I, like, I'm lucky enough that a lot of my customers, when they're gigging, um, a lot of them actually tell the story of the guitar they're playing at the gig. Well, it becomes a, a talking point. Yeah. Um, I know that when I first got that guitar, people were like, oh, what is that? And mm. I started talking about it off stage. thought, oh, well, maybe I should include this in a bit of onstage kind yeah. of interaction and banter between me and the mm. crowd. Yeah. Because it's a business card as well. Yeah, the guitar yeah. itself mm-hmm. is a talking point. Yep. And... People are generally interested in yeah. in that side of it. They don't. They just want to hear about oh, here's another love song, or here's another yeah, yeah, yeah. song about how much <laughs> you know. Yeah, life's life's hard. They want to hear about yeah your tools and your crafts, and if it came from Billy Tarrant down the road, they want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah I'm I'm, I'm fortunate with that, and I literally yeah I have new customers walk in. Oh, I was 
you know, I was on the Spirit of Tasmania last night and there's a guy playing a guitar and, and we got talking and, um, yeah, I'm like, cool, get the checkbook out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very lucky yeah, in that regard, I think. And that's the best advertising is word of mouth. Like ideally if you have someone who's happy to promote you just for their own good, like not, not they're probably not doing it because they are going to get a commission or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they just truly support what you do and are happy to promote it. So yeah. That's, that's the best thing, hey. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, and if it's at a gig then you get to the, the proofs in what you're hearing, you know. Actually, yeah, if the sound guy's on the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suppose it could be the worst advertising in the yeah, world sometimes. Yeah, it could be. Um, so. <laughs> are there any particular builds you're working on at the moment that are pushing the boundaries? Or is there anything you're yeah. sort of harking back to those early few builds? Or um, what's happening here at the workshop? Oh, so at the moment, um, I've got a couple of Weizenborns um, I'm building for stock. Yeah, I, I sort of I try to build one a year. Yeah, they're, they're a bit more of a unique instrument, so you would think they'd be a bit harder to sell, but you very rarely walk into a music shop and, oh, look at all the Weizenborns. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and the last one I built, that actually sold to a... It's in a fine art collection in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Yeah, a lovely couple uh, emailed me and, oh, we're over from Melbourne. We noticed you do Weizenborns. Yeah, can we come... Have you got one? And I'd... It was literally just putting strings on one, so yeah, um, yeah. They came in and, and he's determined to learn it, but um, she's determined it's going. They collect fine art, so okay. Anyway, the one before that that won the uh, Premier's Award at the Tassie Craft Fair. So I thought, bugger, I'm going to build two, have two in the stash this time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a couple of those. I've got a four-string tenor guitar, um, acoustic guitar. Like a short scale thing, and that, same again. You're not going to walk into a music shop and see something like that. So, yeah, yeah. So building one of those for stock. I do the craft for every year in in Deloraine, So, yeah, that's kind of like the. I that's, suppose that's the, your name. Yeah, it is. That is my name. Yeah, which which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's not a guitar related expo or anything like that. You know, usually we're our stands in between sort of. Some lovely old ladies making lace work and some jewellery on the other side, and we're slinging guitars. <laughs> uh, but it works, um, and people come from all over just yep. to just to see it. Um, you know, drive up from Hobart just to come and look at the guitars, and yeah, um, yeah, for some weird reason it, it works. Yeah, so trying to build a bit of stock for that. That's in November every year, isn't it? Yeah, first weekend in November. So yep. um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, a few custom orders. Yep. Um, I usually keep about a, usually like a steady sort of four to six month. I don't know if you want to call it a wait list or yep. something. Um, but that's taking into account I could be repairing three or four days a week at the same time. Um, what's what's your take on Tassie timbers as tone woods? Yeah, a okay. Bit of a, um, yeah, so it's a, a taboo, talking topic, taboo yeah. subject. Um, yeah, look, um, yeah, a lot of it's usable. Some of it's subjective. Yep. So. Um, Blackwoods become quite popular, um, being an acacia, the same sort of uh, family as Hawaiian koa, yep. which is tried and tested and been used for you know, over 100 years. So, um, yeah, and, and there's a lot of blackwood around, so it's, mm-hmm. it's commercially available. So there's a lot of factory guitars using it. Uh, so, yeah, blackout sassafras is very usable. Um, myrtle's very usable. They are different, though. Yeah. I think to use Tasmanian timbers, you need to be open to the idea that 
it's not going to, you know, why, why doesn't my my Tassie Myrtle guitar sound like old mates Bruce and Rose with Dreadnought? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's tone subjective. Tony's very subjective. And is there... I walk into a room and go, gee, I love the sound of that. The next person walking in goes, gee, that sounds horrible. Yeah. So That's the beauty of an instrument, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, is there structural integrity that's changed with Tassie Timbers? Like is there a different bracing you need to sort of think about? Yeah, you do need to treat a little bit differently, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like like any timber from all over the world, and even, even with Blackwood, like... I've, I've found that like East Coast Blackwood's different to West Coast Blackwood. Sure. Um, you know, or, or Blackwood from the Highlands depends how quickly the tree's grown. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all sorts of every bit of wood's different, yeah. um, and you need to treat it that way. Um, I've seen a few. You know, there's a few people that have tried hue and pine as a soundboard, but treated it like a piece of spruce. Right. Um, and it's the opposite. In my this is only my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, hue and pine's quite heavy because of the oil content and it's very soft where spruces are quite light and quite stiff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've done all their bracing like it was a bit of spruce and and then they've come to see me because their action's six foot high um, <laughs> just because the sandbar wasn't supported properly. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, things like that. But, no, look, a lot of it's very usable if you treat it yep. for what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, for solid bodies, electric guitars, Tassie timbers, most of it's really heavy. Yeah. So you've either got to be chambering bodies and, and things like that. King Billy's great for everything if you can get it. That's the thing. A yeah. lot of these timbers we're talking about are quite hard to source. Yeah, they're not commercially available. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's um, – you know, like I've, oh, I've got a piece of King Billy pine. Beautiful, perfectly quarter song. Um that I'll probably get two soundboards from, um, yep. from Bungie, yeah, that he had a, under his house for 20 years. I wouldn't know where to go and physically buy that piece if I had to. Yeah. Um, lucky enough to be given a bit and too bloody scared to use it because <laughs> I probably won't be able to replace it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah be um, measuring 100 times before you're cutting it. Yeah. Not just twice. Yeah, yeah. But no, look, I think, yeah, Tassie Timber's great if you treat it like Tassie Timber. What do you think about recycled stuff? I know that um, if you look on Gumtree, there's like hundreds of pianos going... Yeah, for giveaway. Yep, been down that. You've been down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yep. built a um, like a Telecaster out of a piano. So I was I was given a piano, a German one, and once you rip all the the gorgeous looking walnut veneer off it, I'm like, oh, yeah, all the all the support beams are it's all spruce. Wow. Um, and some of the panels were were rock maple. I thought, oh, I got a, I got a neck, I got rock yeah. maple, I got some spruce, I could do a spruce body. Telecaster, um, all the keys were um, ivory veneers. Yep. All the black keys were ebony. Um, yeah, so I built a Telecaster basically out of it. Um, really, really cool thing. So I used all the ivory for the inlays and, and all that. I thought, this is, I love this. It's guilt free guitar making. <laughs> yeah. Um, neutral. Yeah, right. Who's got, give me another piano. Yeah. Um, so then I, yeah, just look on Gumtree. Free piano if you cut it down six flights of stairs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we went, went and did a bit of that and got another two pianos. And yep. um, and it literally it takes a day to break a piano down. Yep. And you, st- you start off being gentle and you end up on a chainsaw. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, the next two were... And you're lo- you looking for wooden frames? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the next two were American... Um, uprights and 
um, underneath the veneer. It was all American oak that was completely full of borer holes. Uh, um, right. So I basically got burnt on the next two. And I haven't gone back and <laughs> revisited that idea. But, no, I love the idea of recycled. Um, yeah. Yeah, timber, absolutely. Um, there's a... I don't know if you've heard of Cindy Guitars. Works out of Carmine sure. Street Guitars in the States. And she... Basically all they... So all the old buildings, I think it's in New York, they get torn down. Um, they go dumpster diving and, and literally salvage all the timber. Wow. Catalogue it. So when you go into their guitar shop, all right, I'd, I'd love a Telecaster um, out of the old brothel on 4th Street from the floorboards or something. Wow. Um, and it's literally like, yeah, all the bits of wood are written... What, what historical building they came out of yep. as they're gradually sort of knocking down all the old buildings. So, yep. And, yeah, they've turned it into a thing. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Especially the history that goes behind that. People mm. love that backstory sort of Absolutely. component. Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah, it it's, uh, gives it a, you know, there's a story behind the guitar. So. And um, I've seen, have you seen those skateboard deck Guitars? Prisma, yeah, yeah Prisma they're, guitars. They're yeah. cool too. Very cool. Yeah, the, yeah, I love that idea too. Yeah, yeah. Just the the finish on those looks so wild. Yeah, I, I looked right into. There's a product now called Hempwood, right. and it's um, it's in America, and they've um, created basically a building material out of hemp, um, and they use it's like a soy based glue, right, to glue it all together, and they reckon it's twice as strong as oak, and wow, and yeah, and all sorts. Um, yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll go down that path. Um, yep. Yeah, for some guilt-free guitar making, <laughs> I guess. I even saw a video of a cardboard guitar they, they see yeah. and see a Strat. I saw that. Out of cardboard. Yeah, which ruffles feathers because I, I watched the same video and they're yeah. in the, I think they took it into a studio and the guys play it and what do you think it sounds like? Well, it sounds like a Strat. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. it's made of cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's cool. I, I really love the... Diversity that an instrument can take. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the traditional builds and woods and finishes, but I, I really love the evolution of yeah. sustainable, guilt-free Absolutely. guitars as well. I think it's yep. if if both can go hand in hand somehow, yeah, and still inspire and create great music. Yeah. I think yeah, a, yeah, definitely, yeah, good, good platform. Yeah, the the workshop we're sitting in. Eventually, in a year, it's probably going to be knocked down to make way for development, but the the guy doing the development, um, he wants me to build him a guitar out of something, maybe the floor or... Okay. Um, yeah, something inside the, the grounds we're on. Cool. Um, yeah, to sort of commemorate it, yeah. I suppose. Well, that's the same thing what we're talking about with the yeah. guitars from New York. Like yeah. just having a, a bit of an insight to yeah. the in the history of the wood and yeah. the belonging and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah definitely. Warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Billy. And um, how can people reach out, mate, if they want to have a chat about a build or... Yeah, sure. Um, getting in touch. Yeah, look, Facebook, Tarrant Guitars. Um, Instagram, Tarrant Guitars. Um, yeah, contact details are on there. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I, I don't update things as much as I should. Um, oh, I've got a website too. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, right. Eh? Um, au. Yeah, but... Yeah, you know, flick us an email, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah, and we can get the ball rolling. Things don't happen quickly. Um, we can go back and forth, you know, planning a build for a year before um, it evolves into something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, always up for a, 
a chat. Excellent. So yeah. if anyone out there has a German piano they want to give away <laughs> and deliver. Old German, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with some nice Bruce in it. Yeah, not cool. American. Yeah. Um, <laughs> happily accept. Yeah, there we go. Cool, Billy. Well, thanks for the chat. Pleasure. Really appreciate you um, opening up the workshop for us this morning. Cool. And thanks for Angus over there for... Still going, yeah. Still snoring away. It's a dog's <laughs> life, eh? <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Cheers, baby. mate. Good on you. Thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of Say It With Guitars. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it around to your mates, leave a good review, and hopefully we'll see you next time.